Pastors here, great to be together as a church family, whether you're cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there is room for you here. This is a safe place for you to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. The round reminds us that we're all active participants as we stay on this journey together. We're all here to receive something this morning. We also all have something to give, so as we soak in the grace and truth of God's love, we can also pour out love by serving others. I don't know if you can tell, but they refinished the gym floor about a week ago, and it looks good, and it's got just a hint of aroma to it. So... uh, that, you know, that's all fine. In fact, the advantage of this Sunday is that this is the Sunday of the year where the jokes are the funniest. So that's an added advantage of being here the week after they refinish the gym floor. Uh, the other thing is, and I don't know who remembered to put in the order for this, but the weather is beautiful this weekend. And so we've been able to keep this, these doors open and get a cross breeze through here. So it actually smells a ton better than it did when we walked in here uh, at 7 a.m. So whoever remembered to put the the order in for the nice weekend. Thank you very much. We're going to write on the calendar and remember to do it next year. That's big time. So today we want to continue in our series of sermons. Oh, but if for some reason, if you're sensitive to smell or whatever, you could go sit on the bench out there and we'll just prop open the door. But uh, I'm hopeful the smell has abated by this point. It's, I, I don't smell it anymore, but I've been in it since 7 a.m. So. so I'll probably have a headache this afternoon. So we want to continue our series of sermons on Proverbs, a series we're calling Word to the Wise. Proverbs is a book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. And the focus of Proverbs is how you can be wise, becoming wise, living wisely, living well in light of who God is. And so there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and there's 31 days in July. And so we've been encouraging folks to read a chapter of Proverbs a day throughout the month of July, and you'll kind of get that next level of meaning out of the series. Now, if you have not started doing that, it's okay. It's only July 8th, so you're just a little bit behind. And if you start today, you'll be less behind than you'd be if you start next Sunday when we talk about this again. So that would be good. So it's the book of the Bible about wisdom, and often when we think about wisdom, we imagine ourselves sitting under a tree, you know, the wind blowing against our faces, and as the wind hits our faces, this great idea comes into our minds, and we think that's wisdom. The problem with that for me is that that makes wisdom seem really distant from where I am right now because I have an 18-month-old and I am serving at a growing church. So my amount of sit under a tree and let the wind hit me time is at an all-time low. And to some extent, that's to my detriment, because there are parts of uh, wisdom that are best found through prayer, that are best found through solitude, best found in reflection. But my point this morning is that there is a part of wisdom best found in community. That in fact, community is not pulling us away from wisdom. Community done well leads us to wisdom. Community done well is the way we become wise, that according to God, we need one another if we're going to become truly wise. We need one another if we're going to live well and if we're going to live wisely. So that those who insist on being Lone Ranger Christians or those who insist on exploring the mysteries of God in isolation, are going to miss out on becoming wise. 
Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. That verse pretty well sums up my sermon for today. That we need the gift of community to become wise, because we need to be open to the counsel and the correction of wise, godly people. If we're going to become wise ourselves, we need to be open to the counsel of wise, godly people. We need to be open to the, the correction of wise and godly people. And so we need community in order to become truly wise. That's kind of the main point of the sermon. On the Sunday after they refinish the gym floor, I always put the point up top in case the fumes should take you under, but I think we'll be all right. I have three sub-points to the main point, and here they are. Number one, number one, number, 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 number one. Wisdom comes through seeking out good counsel. So how does community help us become wise? Number one, wisdom comes through seeking out good counsel. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Dr. Bud likes to say it this way, that none of us is as smart as all of us. It's a pretty clever little way to say that. None of us is as smart as all of us. So that when we face big decisions, when we feel stuck in a rut, when we're not sure what direction we should go, when we face a situation we have not been able to solve on our own, when we face an issue that we have not been able to solve by ourselves, we need to seek out the counsel of others. Now, we still have to make the decision, right? We don't get to give away decision-making. We don't get to give away agency, but we need wise counsel. We need to seek out the counsel of others. Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Proverbs 18.13 says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Ouch. Those hit a little too close to home sometimes. Now, if you can admit they hit a little too close to home, that's a good thing. That's a step towards becoming wise. Foolishness is responding before listening. Foolishness is that moment where you or I say, don't try and confuse me with the truth. My mind is made up. So to find wisdom, to live well, to live wisely, when we are faced with these issues, when we are faced with the decisions that we have, we need to listen. Even more than we speak, we need to listen. But this is the point. It matters who you listen to. Proverbs is not saying that you and I just need to take a survey and whatever wins the survey is what we should do. Proverbs is not saying that we just need to listen to the loudest voice or the person most eager to butt into our lives. Like we, we need to be careful who we listen to. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I mean, you and I can think of people who are reckless with their words, and they may be here with you today, so in a moment we're going to point to them. No, no, we're not going to do that. I decided against that. 
But you and I can think of people who would be reckless with their words. You and I can think of people who are reckless in their thinking. And so, you know, their, their advice may do more harm than good. The, what they say to you may do more harm than good. Their bold idea may just be a bad idea. So seeking out good counsel is not the same as popular opinion. Seeking out good counsel is not the same as just listening to the first person who speaks or the person who speaks the loudest or most persistently. So how do you and I seek out good counsel? This is the, this is the main point to point one. We must proactively ask the right people. So wisdom is found in seeking out good counsel, and what that means primarily is that you and I must proactively ask the right people. Proverbs 12, 23 says why? The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. In other words, wisdom is not going to just drop in your lap. And the reason for this, according to Proverbs, is that most wise people will not offer you their advice, their opinion, or their counsel until you ask for it. Most wise people will not offer you their advice, their opinion, or their counsel until you ask for it. That's part of why they are wise. So you, as you seek out good counsel for the issues you face, for the decisions you face, you need and I need to identify who we want to ask. And then we must proactively ask them. Most advice that's freely received is not worth having. If advice is freely given, freely received, you didn't really solicit it, most unsolicited advice, not worth having. The advice worth having, the counsel worth having, the counsel of the wise is something where, generally speaking, we must seek the person out and ask for it. And so it's in community that we begin to find these people. It's in the community of, of people following Jesus or people considering Jesus that, that we begin to find these people. You find someone within the church family and you're like, that person really seems to have this part of their life worked out. I wonder how that happened. I wonder how he, she did that. I wonder how he did that. Well, you can sit there and wonder about it, or you could go ask them. This is seeking out wise counsel, proactively asking the right people. Proverbs 16.31, this is the last proverb, and then I'm on to point two. Proverbs 16.31 says, gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. Some people are thinking, that's my new verse. That's my new life verse right there. But part of how we seek out wise counsel is that sometimes we need to find people who are a little bit older than us, people who've seen the world a little bit longer, people who've followed Christ a little bit longer, people who've watched a little more water go under the bridge. That, that's not to say that young people can't be wise or young people can't have good ideas, but one of the liabilities of being young is that sometimes you're prone to think, I'm the only person who has ever faced this specific thing. And generally, somebody with a crown of splendor can let you know, no, that's not true. The, the Scripture says, this bit of wisdom, there is nothing new under the sun. This has all happened before. 
So all that to say, and this is part of what I love about our church family, we have people of all generations within the church. And so we would be wise to seek out those who are a little bit more experienced than we are, have a few more miles on the odometer than we do. They might have learned some things along the way, and I bet they'd be willing to share them. Number two, wisdom comes from letting the right people rub you the wrong way. Wisdom comes from letting the right people rub you the wrong way. Proverbs 15.31 says, Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. This is kind of just a continuation of point number one, that if part of wisdom is that we seek out good counsel from the right people, the other part of wisdom is that we are willing to listen to the correction or rebuke for decisions that we have made in our past or the ways that we are navigating things right now. Wise people are willing to entertain correction. Wise people are willing to entertain discipline or to entertain being rebuked for past decisions or for current realities. Now, wise people don't necessarily do everything that everybody says to do, because not all correction is created equal, just like all counsel is not created equal. But wise people will let the right people correct them. Wise people will, will heed the life-giving corrections and rebukes that they receive. The little clever way to say this is that wise people let the right people rub them the wrong way. Proverbs 17.10 says, A rebuke impresses a discerning person more than a hundred lashes a fool. A rebuke impresses a discerning person more than a hundred lashes of a fool. In other words, if you are a wise person or if you are becoming a wise person, you can learn more from being corrected once than a foolish person could learn from being whipped a hundred times. Now, I've never verified this myself, so I thought this morning we might do a little experiment. So I need two volunteers. Okay, no volunteers. Never mind. I didn't even, I forgot to bring my whip anyway, so. But Proverbs 19.25 points out why. Why is this the case? Proverbs 19.25 says, flog a mocker. And a mocker is somebody who thinks they're smarter than everybody else. Flog a mocker, and the simple will learn prudence. Rebuke the discerning, and they will gain knowledge. Flog a mocker and the simple will learn prudence. Rebuke the discerning and they will gain knowledge. The point being, if you punish somebody enough, they will learn to keep their mouth shut. There may not be any better thoughts in their head, but they'll just learn to close the front door and keep all the crazy inside. But correction, through correction, wise people gain knowledge. So this is different than just learning to keep the front door closed. This is about uh, the, the improvement of the actual thoughts going on in your head. Through correction, wise people gain knowledge. Wise people through rebuke gain understanding. Correction is not so much a bruise to their ego, it is a way of gaining more wisdom. Proverbs 15:12 says, "Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise." Proverbs 27:6 says the wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. 
So again, mockers, people who think they're smarter than everybody else, they avoid the truly wise as a rule, and the reason is they don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be called out. They don't want to be called wrong. They don't want to let the right people rub them the wrong way. So there is this moment where we need to think, look at ourselves, that mockers resent correction so they avoid the wise. We, we live in a world right now where, at least culturally, where we will spend time, we spend most of our time, and we let our thoughts be filled mostly with people who will tell us exactly what we want to hear, and they already agree with us anyway. So the question we need to be asking is, are there people we are avoiding who we should actually be seeking out their counsel and correction? Are there people that we're avoiding because they don't believe everything we already believe, or they tell us things we don't want to hear? Are we avoiding them for those reasons when actually we should be seeking them out for their counsel and for their correction? Because wisdom is not simply found in isolation. The truth is that you and I need deep friendships in this world. We need what the ancient Christians called soul friends, like a deep soul-level friend. And now, you don't have to say soul friend, right? You don't have to go up to your buddy and say, hey, man, you're my soul friend. You know, that, that may not go as well as you'd hope. But it's what the ancient Christians meant by it, a soul friend, like a deep soul-level friendship. Someone who doesn't always have to kiss up to you because you have a deeper friendship than that. They're not always just trying to tell you what you want to hear because you have a deeper friendship than that. They're, they're not just trying to use you to get to something they really want. You have a deeper friendship than that. So with these deep friendships, these soul friends as the ancient Christians called them. When they tell you something you don't want to hear, you can trust that. That's at its heart what, how you would define a soul friend. When they tell you something you don't want to hear, you trust it. The Bible calls this the wounds of a friend. Not the wounds of popular opinion, not the wounds of social media. Some of us just need to quit reading that stuff altogether but the wounds of a friend, the wounds of someone who has a deep concern for you, who wants what is best for you. And so when they tell you something you don't want to hear, you can trust it. The question would be, who is that person or who are those people in your life? Who are those deep friends, those soul friends, or just one friend that God has put in your life? Do you have someone like that in your life? Now, if you don't, I hope part of this series, this Proverbs series for you, will be trying to identify who that person is, keeping your eye out for that kind of a person. Or, or maybe the person's already in your life, but you've just never managed to put those two things together. Now, if you have someone or some people like this in your life, I hope you thank God for them. Because they are part of how you will become wise. Because you can trust when they tell you something you don't want to hear. And then number three, wisdom comes through receiving God's discipline as love. Oh, this is the final one. So I should say number three, number three, number, 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 number three. Wisdom 
comes through receiving God's discipline as love. Susan read earlier from Proverbs chapter 3. This is the conclusion. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. So now what I'm going to do is take all the points I've already made about seeking out the counsel of people and the correction of people, and I'm going to apply it all to God. That's how this sermon's going to end. So if you kind of got how that's going to work, you can zone out for a few minutes. That we need to seek out the counsel of wise people, we need to receive the correction of wise people, but if that's true, how much more so do we need the counsel of the one who created the world? How much more do we need the correction and the counsel of the one who created wisdom, of the one who is wise in ways that our greatest wisdom will never fathom? In other words, as we face issues, as we face decisions, we need to seek out God's counsel. Now, how do you seek out God's counsel? Well, the primary way you do it is through the Bible, through reading the Bible, through studying the Bible, through coming to church where the Bible is taught, through coming to church where we sing songs with words from the Bible, through, through being part of a community group or a Bible study where we dig a little deeper into what the Bible says. It's through the Bible that we begin to understand who God is and who we are in light of God. Now, sometimes God will communicate to us a little bit more directly, communicate to you a little more directly. He'll put something deep down in your heart or deep in your mind, and you just can't shake it, that this is God's counsel to me or this is God's correction to me. And what I would say to you is before you go whole hog on that, first, check it against what the Scripture says. Check it against the Bible. Check it against trusted, wise Christian friends, just to make sure you understood the message properly. Because God is not going to contradict Himself. God's not going to contradict what He's already given you counsel or correction about through the Scriptures. The point of all this being, as you learn more about God, and as you see yourself more clearly in light of who God is, you are going to discover God is not on board with every single decision you have made in your life. That's shocking, I know. You will discover God is not on board with every decision you have made in your life, and in fact, there are things that you and I are doing and thinking and believing right now that don't line up with God's counsel. So what will you do in the moments where God is correcting you? What will I do in the moments where God's correcting me? What will we do in the moments where God says that we need to change? That to the extent we care what He thinks, this needs to head in a new direction. What do you do in those moments? What what do I do in those moments? If we are not careful, we will act like the mocker who thinks they're smarter than everybody else. If mockers avoid wise people, how much more will mockers avoid God? So if we're not careful, we'll start to distance ourselves from God because we don't want to hear what He has to say. We'll start to distance ourselves from trusted Christian friends because we don't want to hear what they have to say. And we may have some really good self-justifying reasons for that, or we may have some really pious-sounding reasons for that. And I hope this proverb will call you back to God. Proverbs 27.5 says, Better is open rebuke 
than hidden love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. That's God's perspective. The reason He corrects you is that He loves you. The reason He corrects me is that He loves me. That correction, well done, is one of the ways we show people that we love them. But this is even more true for God. Part of how you can know God loves you are the moment that, moments that He calls you to something greater. Part of how you can know God loves you are the moments where He calls you to greater integrity, to greater love, to greater character where He calls you back onto the path that leads to life, where he, he calls you to walk with Him more closely as you head into the future. Now, some of you hear that and say, man, God must love me a lot, because He seems to correct me all the time. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. God's love for you is not hidden. God's open arms, that you would return to Him, that you would embrace Him, that you would trust Him, these things are not hidden. They are shown throughout the pages of the Bible. They are shown most clearly in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And maybe in a way you've never noticed, they are shown to you when God disagrees with you and corrects you and guides you back on the path that leads to life. God disciplines those He loves in the same way that parents discipline the children that they love. That though it's not necessarily fun or easy, the discipline is one of the ways that that love is shown. God is your heavenly Father, and He delights in you. Through your faith in Jesus, God the Father delights in you because God delights in Jesus. And so if you follow Jesus, all of the Father's delight for Jesus is transferred to you. God the Father delights in you through your faith in Christ. And because He delights in you, He is willing to discipline those He loves. He is willing to call you to something greater, to greater character, greater integrity, greater love, back onto the path that leads to life. It's not always fun when God does these things, but it is always good. And so my question for you as I sort of wrap this message up, this message about correction and counsel in the book of Proverbs, how can you live more wisely, based on God's definition, how can you live more wisely based on Proverbs' perspective on counsel and correction? How can you live more wisely based on Proverbs' perspective on counsel and correction? I don't know exactly what your takeaway will be. I don't know exactly how much the fumes off the floor have helped this sermon make sense. But I want you to ask, what is my takeaway from all this? How could I live well? How could I live more wisely? That's what God wants for us. That's what I want for all of us, to live well and to live wisely. So Proverbs says, first, we must humble ourselves before God. We must humble ourselves before God. And then we must humble ourselves 
and seek out the counsel and the correction of wise people. Let's pray together.